Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 28 Overcommitted. This morning, I got up early, early for a Sunday anyway, because I knew it was a podcast weekend, and I hadn't managed to get anything recorded Friday or Saturday, and I had a lot of other things to get accomplished as well. Now here it is, after four in the afternoon, and I've just now been able to sit down and begin work on this episode. I think it's fair to say that I may be a tad overcommitted these days. I find this happens from time to time in my life. The number of commitments increases, the number of things I want to do goes up, and before I look around, there doesn't seem to be any time for any of it. I always think, if I was smarter, or better with planning my time, or more adept at anticipating how much time things are going to take, these situations would never happen to me. But the fact of the matter is, I am pretty good about time management, and figuring out a project's time commitment. Sometimes, though, A confluence of events just gets the better of all my best laid plans. Take right now, for example. We finally got everything settled for the house this week, which puts us on a semi-solid countdown for moving. It's about a month later than I'd hoped we'd be at this point, but these things take time. Now, though, now we have to spend some time, but not too much, sorting and purging and getting this house ready to sell. When we moved up here a decade ago, There was no time for that. We literally threw everything in boxes, threw the boxes into a moving van, and tried to sort it all out once we've moved in. I really, really don't recommend doing it in that order. So this time, as the new house is going through the drafting and permits phase, we have the time to take a good hard look at everything we've accumulated over the last 10 years and make the calls as to what moves and what doesn't. But that process takes time. And with Mike working 14-hour days, and me still running around to appointments, we're already running a little short on that. And for me, at least, that doesn't even mention all the things that I want to do. I'm knitting a 2,000-yard shawl and trying to get it done by March 14th. I'm knitting a sweater and trying to get that done in time for air conditioning season at work. I'm not even going to mention the tapestry. I absolutely, positively need to spend more time working on my homework because I'm down to just five short months before Fiber Week. I have a full-time job that needs my attention, and I still need to take care of my body. I'm not moving as fast as I used to even a year ago, and even normal chores like groceries take me a little longer because I'm not moving as quickly through the aisles. I'd be lying if I said I was approaching this perfect storm of needs and wants with aplomb and perseverance. The truth is, There are times, like this weekend, where I find it so overwhelming. What I really want to do is just sit there and do nothing until something breaks or it all goes away. It's a completely logical, completely emotional reaction. Intellectually, I know it won't help at all. Viscerally, though, sometimes I need to spend a little bit of time doing that so I can start looking at everything bite-sized. I know that two rows on the shawl takes me an hour so I can schedule time to sit down and do two rows. I know the sweater makes good work knitting, so I can get at least a half hour in on that a day. 
Saturday nights are for the tapestry, even if I can only squeeze in an hour. My appointments are ongoing and pre-scheduled. I take them into consideration when I'm making the week's meal plan. I always make a meal plan. It saves so much time, hassle, and stress each week. Homework? Well, that's going to take a little bit more massaging of the schedule, but it's a priority, so I'll fit it in. And that leaves the house purge. The task I set for myself this weekend was not to actually do any purging, but to make a list of tasks for each room in the house. Once I finish this episode, I'll be sorting the list into rooms, printing them out, and taping them up in highly visible spots around the house. The list includes things like washing the windows, finally doing that library purge I've been threatening for a year, and sorting through our belongings to see what can be donated, what can be sold, what can be stored for the short term, and what we still need in the house. But it also includes things like putting all our recipe printouts into our recipe app, and finishing the weaving on the project on the table loom. We have a little bit of time now in this countdown to our new house. Now is the time to see about getting ourselves organized. Forcing myself to look critically at each room in the house and breaking down what we have to do into discrete tasks was really helpful for me. It makes the whole concept of get the house sale ready less huge, less immobilizing, because it can be done in bite-sized chunks. In that way, what I've done is a lot like writing a knitting pattern for the next few months. Each task is a row to knit. Some rows will take a little bit longer, but they'll all add up to one final project in the end. And having the pattern there means that when the enormity of it all rears up to overwhelm me again, I will be able to step back from it because I know what I have to do next. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. If I'd come to this episode and said, nah, I didn't get anything done on my homework the last two weeks, I'm sure you all would have given me heck. But as a matter of fact, I actually did get a whole bunch of stuff done on my homework. I'm not 100% done the novelty yarn section, but I'm getting pretty close. I've actually spun up the three 10-yard skeins that are needed uh, for the novelty yarns, and I am halfway through spinning the singles for the cabled yarn. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. So my color yarn, my my novelty yarn using color, was a mottled yarn. So with this, I the, the definition in the manual was holding two colors of roving together and then spinning. So I wanted to do more than two, but it says two, so I did two. But I chose black and acid green. So I figure, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's not too bad in terms of evenness. I'm I'm not unhappy with it. I tried for a four TPI in the ply skein with this. I figured, you know, I'm doing this. I might as well practice, right? So I haven't measured it to see if I made it, but uh, there's certainly in terms of evenness, there's a, there's some stuff in the middle here that I'm sure I can make 10 yards out of. I'm really happy with the color. I think it's, I like it a lot. The, uh, the green and the black really, really did good in terms of making a pretty cool yarn. So then for my novelty yarn using twist, I did a spiral yarn. So basically you have two plies and one is held under tension and one is held under less tension. So for this one, I spun up 
for my one under tension, I spun blue. And then for my one under less tension, I, sp- I, I spun up red. Now, I'm not sure I should have done it in two colors, but that was more to help me keep it straight as I was playing. And you know what? I don't think it worked out too bad. Um, I, I'm contemplating whether or not I should redo it as a single color, but you know, I really actually, I mean, this isn't a texture of yarn that I would necessarily spin up for a project. Maybe it's, it's kind of, it's bumpy and, and nubbly. And I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, it worked out really nicely with the, with the spiral of the red around the blue. And again, maybe I won't respin it in one color because I quite like it. Anyway, again, I tried for a four TPI. We'll see if that worked out. But in, in terms of evenness, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm sure there's 10 yards in here that will work for the skein. My texture yarn is drying downstairs right now. I spun it today. And for that one, I had a bunch of the red left over uh, from the the twist yarn, a bunch of the red singles. So I picked up the red again and I spun a slub single like we used to do when we first started spinning. And wow, is that ever hard to do again? Because you're used to spinning evenly. Ah, but luckily for me, I reviewed Sarah Anderson's little how to spin a slub single, um, little what she's got in her spinner's book of yarn designs, her little tutorial. And, uh, and I managed to do it. Some of my slubs are better than others. I'll, I'll be perfectly frank about that. But, uh, but I managed to spin a slub single and I'm pretty happy about that. So it's uh, downstairs drying right now. I applied it together with the, uh, the even single. So that should hold the slubs together pretty good. So yeah, I got three, three skeins done. I have to measure them out and into 10 yard um, segments and do the measurements on them, TPI, wraps per inch, and uh, angle of twist. And then, yeah, then I'm, those are the, those are three of the four for the novelty yarn segment or section of uh, level three. I have spun one single for the cabled yarn. Now with the cabled yarn, that's a little trickier because you have to have the 10 yard skein plus enough to make a wrist distaff when then you have to make the distaff and dress it. So I've, I have a bunch of yellow Corydale, so I'm just using the yellow Corydale. And what I did was I spun the one single today and I spun a lot of it. And then I'm going to spin another. And then I'm going to ply about half of what I've spun onto one bobbin, then break it and ply the other half onto the other. So that should give me the two that I need to then cable together. So before I sat down with this, I, I also reviewed um, the cabled yarn section in Sarah Anderson's book. And one of the things that she said was when she spins cabled yarns, she will generally do the singles S then ply them first Z and then ply the two plied yarns together S because what she finds is when she's knitting, her knitting style adds just that little bit of S ply. And if it's the final ply is Z, it untwists it just enough that the cable looks un- underplied. So I thought that was interesting. 
So I am spinning my singles S. It's kind of backwards. That's okay. And I'm spinning them quite fine. So what I'm hoping to end up with is a cable that's about a DK weight. And then I'm thinking I will, I might braid it. And then depending on how much yardage I get out of the braid, either just make the distaff out of that or braid it on itself again and, and make the distaff out of that. So, so yeah, one single is done. Um, maybe tomorrow I'll sit down and try and do the other single with this one. I'm aiming for about a six TPI in the ply or no. Yes. Yes. Six TPI in the ply with this one. I tried for eight, uh, at first, but for whatever reason, eight and I aren't getting along. So I'll go for six and, and see what happens there. So that's where I'm at with the novelty yarns. One of the other things that came up this week was I got my issue of ply, the woolen issue. And if you remember, I had real kind of issues with silk at the distaff day party a couple weeks ago. I gave up and I put it aside. I didn't help that my hands were sweaty, but I still was having trouble knitting off of the fold or knitting, <laughs> spinning off the fold. So I'm flipping through ply. I haven't actually had a chance to sit down and read the whole thing yet, but I came across uh, a, a, just one page, two pictures. I said, these are the ways that you can spin off the fold. You do it off of the tip, like we were taught. That hasn't been working out for me. Or you turn your hand and go off the side. And it was like a big, bright light went on for me. I'm like, that makes so much sense to go off the side. That will probably work really well for me in silk. I haven't had a chance to try it yet. So I want to get the cable yarn done and then I want to sit down with the silk because if I can make that work, then I can work on the higher twists per inch exercises, the eight, I can't remember what the other ones are, but the higher ones because they're not working out for me with wool and I still have to practice with cotton. So, so that's my plan for the next couple of weeks. Get the cable yarn done try and play around with silk, probably do some playing around with cotton too. Um, there's a lot of cotton to do. And, and I went out for, um, a drink with a friend of mine from, from my class who happened to be in town. And she said that she did up all the cotton ones and they balanced and then she finished them by boiling and they didn't. So that's sort of a cautionary tale for me. I have to start spinning the cotton ones just in case that work that happens to me too. So Five months, not all that much time. So for level two, let's go to something I actually have already completed. <laughs> We're on to exercise C3, which is to spin yarn for knitting and crocheting. There were two parts to this exercise. One was to spin llama for a crocheted vest, and the other was to spin alpaca for knitted lace. Now, one of the things that I remember, and I think this came up in level one, and certainly it came up in level two, was that for crochet, and anybody who crochets will, will probably find this too. I know when I crochet with commercial yarn, I tend to find it uh, untwisting as I crochet. And part of that is because it's the, the singles are spun Z and plied S. And uh, and you add, or you, you're, 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 when you're crocheting, the twist that's added is Z, so it's untwisting on you. So if you're going to crochet something and you're going to spin for crochet, generally 
you should spin your um, yes, you should spin your singles S and ply Z because that will make it so that it doesn't untwist. So you're adding the appropriate twist uh, when you're crocheting. So I used the commercial prep for this because me and Lama just weren't getting along in terms of actually preparing myself. And, uh, and as it so happens, one of the vests that I want to make eventually from the uh, yarn bombing book is crocheted. And it's a fairly easy pattern. I didn't know it at the time, but I thought, you know, I want to crochet this vest anyway. Let's try out the pattern stitch for my swatch. So I did. And, and actually, you know, it wasn't a bad yarn to, uh, to crochet with. I found it, found it quite slick. And I noted this in, in my notes on the end result. And it didn't have a lot of bulk. So if I were to actually spin up stuff for this particular vest, I would probably blend it with wool just to give it that little bit more oomph in terms of actually being, you know, a, a not too drapey, give it that bit of a crimp. So, so yeah, that worked out really well. Um, in terms of my, the comments on it, um, I had, Gail noted that I had good reasons for the technique and fibers. The swatch had a lovely handle, but again, my singles and my ply were variable. So I lost a few marks there. Then for the alpaca for knitted lace, I uh, I combed a preparation myself, 90% uh, alpaca and 10% silk top, and spun it true worsted, uh, because lace, you don't want that fluff. You, you really want for lace the yarn to be worsted so that it, it doesn't hide the actual lace pattern. Um, and with alpaca, I find it has halo, so spinning it true worsted will cut down on that. Um, in terms of the swatch I did, I just picked a, a really easy uh, lace, <clears throat> excuse me, lace pattern from uh, Folk Shawls, which is a, a book that I own. This was the box lace shawl pattern. And, uh, and it worked out quite well. I had barely enough for my, uh, for my 10 yard skein and then my, my swatch. I blocked that swatch pretty severely to get it to be the appropriate size. But uh, I was really quite happy with the way it turned out. Um, the spinning at worsted really did cut down on the halo, and in, I actually got a really nice stitch definition from it. Once again, uh, in terms of the comments that I got, a lovely handle, a very nice swatch, good reasons for my choices in terms of fiber and preparation, but I had variable singles, so I lost a few marks there. Uh, have I said this every time? Really work on evenness in your spinning. I'm working on that right now. This this particular exercise, it really starts to teach you to, and, and the ones following, the ones I'll talk about next week, um, really starts to get you thinking about spinning with a project in mind, making choices with a project in mind, making the right choices with a project in mind. I mean, it's no good to try and do, say, a, a knitted lace shawl with um, a fairly heavy single spun woolen. You know, it's just, it's not going to work out for you. You're not going to be happy with it. So you have to, this, this exercise and the ones following, get you to start thinking about what is the end result you want? What are the techniques that are going to get you there? So, so that's what I have to say about this particular exercise. Next couple weeks, again, going to try and 
I mean, there's definitely going to be progress. I'm going to get that cabled yarn done. I have no idea how to make a wrist distaff, so that's going to be interesting. And uh, and yeah, going to try that uh, that spinning off of the the side uh, instead of the tip for from the fold. And I'll let you know how that goes. Fiber notes. If I'm remembering correctly, I'd set myself a goal last episode of getting to the sleeves on the cardigan and getting to the second ball of yarn in the Event Horizon pie shawl. And if I'm remembering correctly, I achieved my goal. I am on the second ball of yarn in the Event Horizon shawl. And as I was, I've been knitting it, I've been thinking about it and looking at the pattern and really, really enjoying the pattern. And looking at, because I'm, I've bought the five skein pack, so 1,600 yards. And I was looking at that and going, well, that'll make a five-foot circle. That'll be okay, right? I know I'm six feet tall. And I kept thinking about that. And the large shawl is six feet wide in diameter. And, oh, I talked myself into it. And the people at my Wednesday knitting group helped talk me into it. I've ordered the sixth ball of yarn. Yes, I'm crazy. But uh, but there's just something about like this, the six-foot circle that I, I just wasn't going to be happy unless I did it. So whether or not that gets done by March 14th is another question. Because once you double up again, every row is going to take me an hour. And there are, I think, 10 rows before you even start the knitted on border. So... <laughs> and I don't know if I'm going to make March 14th, but we'll give it a darn good try. It's not like I don't have copious, copious amounts of spare time to knit. Yeah. In any case, even if I don't make March 14th, I'll be a, quite a bit further along, and and it's going to be beautiful. Anyway, the sixth skin of yarn is on its way to me. I don't need it right now. I'm only on the second. Uh, how far do you think I'm through the second? Maybe a third. The ball that I that I wound up is starting to get a little soft. So I think I'm probably about a third of the way through. But yeah, every two rows, so a pattern row and a knit row is taking me an hour. 50 minutes to an hour, depending on the stitches that are involved. So that's an easy way for me to, to kind of divvy it out into nice bite-sized chunks. But it's really gorgeous. I'm loving it. The pattern is amazing. There's all these little surprises that keep coming out of it. So, And the cardigan, I am onto the sleeves. I finished the body. I think I finished the body. I, I started the sleeves, and there's a little bit of yarn attached uh, to the body. And I think it'll be okay. I'm going to knit the sleeves to the uh, what the pattern says, which is 13.75, and then I'm going to try them on. I think that might be a little short for me might have to add another inch, but I'm doing them two at a time on one circular. So at the very least, they'll both be the same. Um, I, this particular pattern has you cast on, then do seven rows of seed stitch, and then it's stock knit all the way up. And I am onto the stock knit part. So that should just fly. But yeah, about half hour a day, I can get in on that at work. And I'm, I expect I'll take that to knitting groups as well. I have the leg warmers. They, they did get blocked. Um, they've been sitting over there drying for about a week. I'm sure they're dry now, 
but I do need to try them on again. The, the ends are woven in, I just need to cut them off, but I think there's some elastic that's needed at the top, which I also have to find time for. But I think that's another project that I'll take to knitting groups in the next couple of weeks and just uh, just get that done so that I have leg warmers. We're back down to seasonal temperatures now, so a little chilly. And, uh, and they will be very nice to have. I'm really pleased with the way they blocked, too. They, they look really good. So I just need to get that elastic into the top, and, and then I can have leg warmers for when it gets meh, as chilly as it is now. But we had, we had a good week of very unseasonable temperatures. We had overnight melt in January. Makes absolutely no sense. Now, of course, all that overnight melt is freezing and making things icy. So, oh, this thing called climate change. The other thing that I started, and I'm not going to get a whole lot of work in on it, obviously, because because, uh, I have a few demands on my time, but I'm, I'm knitting a shawl with a friend of mine. I'd, uh, this was my Christmas present to her, and I, I got the same kit for myself. So we, we cast on yesterday together, and w- neither of us is going to have a ton of time to knit, but we wanted to cast it on. So this is the Star Maiden Shawl from Raven Twist Yarns. Uh, the designer is Michelle Miller. This is the same, um, I guess, set of artisans who made the wave maiden shawl which uh, I got last last Christmas and I really enjoyed so this one is the second in the series of maiden shawls and uh, and got to the first repeat uh, end of the first repeat of chart B and it looks like I mean it's a fairly easy pattern stitch but I think it's going to be just as effective and just as interesting as the wave maiden shawl, so I'm I'm really pleased with the uh, with the uh, the aesthetic that this particular designer has. So I'm going to keep an eye on the stuff that she that she puts out there. I'll put a link to these in the show notes so that you can take a look. The colorway that we got was the Star of Sunrise, and we've chosen to cast on. There are two colors of yarn: a, a very nice bright blue and a, a nice vibrant yellow. And we've chosen to cast on different center colors. So I've cast on the blue. So we'll see. I'm, I doubt I'm going to get too much done on that one uh, over the next several months. But uh, but it's sitting there, and like I said, it's a fairly easy pattern. So it'll be a nice palette cleanser from time to time, I think. But my focus is on the cardigan and on the Event Horizon pie shawl, at least for the next little while. So that's Fiber Notes for this episode. By the Wayside Looking at it objectively, I did get quite a bit done on the tapestry the last couple weeks, but I got more done last Saturday than I did yesterday, mostly because I stayed up till probably close to midnight working on the tapestry last Saturday, and I only managed to get in about an hour and a half yesterday. But overall, I'm pretty happy with my progress. The first soldier is finished, and everything on the front part of the first horse is finished. It's the the uh, the second half, the back 
of the first horse and also the the second horse that I didn't get quite as much done as I wanted. But it started, and that's a good thing. The next couple of weeks, we'll hopefully see that part of the tapestry finished. And hopefully I can spend another really, really good Saturday night on it. Once I have all the lists up around the house, I think it'll be easier to, to, you know, do a few during the day and then say the evening is all for the tapestry. So definitely trying, definitely still trying to get some work done on it and get it, get it finished. Hopefully soon. We'll see. I, there's a part of me that says I, I should get it done before we move into the new house. You know, it's another thing we don't have to move, but I just don't know if I can commit to that. I, the, the tapestry is interesting. I can't really put a finger on how much time any individual piece is going to take, like I could with with knitting or, or with another thing. So I'll keep working on it, and we'll see how far along I get. While we're on the subject of the tapestry, S.V. Janice sent me another note on Ravelry with a really interesting story about the tapestry, or rather about someone who has made a replica of the tapestry. But what he's done is he's carved it out of wood, the entire thing. It took him two years, and the result is amazing. And the part I find kind of sad is that it's simply stored in his house because obviously it's so large. He doesn't have a place to exhibit it. But uh, I'll put a link to the story in the show notes. The pictures are amazing. He did an absolutely fantastic job. And I was just blown away. I mean, I know how long this is taking me. Like, you know, now that I'm actually working on it, but it's still taking me a long time. I can't imagine, you know, the the actual process of, of wood carving it. It's a fascinating story. It's an amazing piece of work. And I think we can all really appreciate the amount of work that goes into something like that. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you again for sending me that. I, I was blown away. So that's where I'm at with the tapestry. The next couple of weeks, we'll hopefully see the end of the horses. Thank you for joining me for episode 28. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 29 on February 9th, 2014. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is by the fiber side.